Hi, and welcome to the How Not to Think podcast, the podcast that gets you thinking about your thinking on a whole variety of topics. Today, I'm absolutely delighted to have with me, I am Oren, all the way from Israel. He is a well-being expert, keynote speaker. He also has his own podcasts, so he knows what this is all about. He frequently lectures about the contribution of well-being to companies' bottom line and writes in different magazines such as uh, Forbes. You may have heard of that one. He's also brand ambassador for Hensa Performance, global leader in well-being and human performance uh, that advises corporate executives and, you'll find this interesting, Formula One drivers. I'm as an accomplished international marketer in US, Europe, and Israel. He started his career in the New York office of Young and Rubicam, where he advised 4,500 companies. And after returning to Israel, he has held senior management positions at global advertising and public relations agencies. More recently, he has served as the commercial representative for the state of Connecticut in Israel. Well, that's enough blurb. Time to meet Haim. Welcome. Thank you so much for being on the show. Great being with you, Howard. Yes, awesome. Um, so first question I ask all the guests is, how did you get to be into the space now where you are? What was your your trajectory to get to where you right. are now? Well, throughout my career, you know, spending from my stay in the U.S., I always were looking for well-being, you know, without even, you know, thinking about the term well-being, because as I was working at a very high pace in Madison Avenue, working day and night, and I always intuitively was seeking, was seeking to balance it. So I learned meditation, I learned Tai Chi, all sorts of techniques, because I felt that really I have to balance the very crazy pace of life that I was living. But I think the impetus for coming to the world and really focusing on well-being was an event, a dramatic event that took place two years ago in summer 2021, where I had a heart condition and the doctor gave me one week to leave because mm. all my arteries were clogged up to 90, 98%, 99%. So actually getting to the hospital in the last moment, they saw me as a miracle because, um, you know, I was, uh, you know, very, very close not to being here because of the clogged arteries in my heart. So after going through a surgery of 13 hours where they replaced all my arteries, and the operation took five hours and then seven more hours connecting to a, a machine, a breathing machine, in order to for me to recuperate. So after this long ordeal, I'm waking up and I'm feeling nauseous and I cannot walk. I'm you know lying in the bed and you know usually I'm very upbeat, I'm very dynamic. I used to walk before the operation every morning, six or seven kilometers in the forest near my uh, where we live. And leading a very active life. And now I'm pondering, you know, what will be the shape of my life after going to this, um, I would say, a trauma. 
because yeah. this is a crisis. Uh, in most of my adult life, I never spent a day in the hospital. I didn't have any any disease. I'm not smoking. I don't have any the risk any risk factors that you know are the leading one for to cause uh, diseases. And suddenly, boom! I'm uh, into a major life dangering crisis, and lying in the bed, I have I'm thinking, well, I have to compute back my strategy for life. So this is uh, the impetus that I decided to devote for well being. I took it as an objective, as a life mission, to promote well-being, so people don't need to experience crisis, but they have to proactively take a stance and adopt well-being in order to live the best version of your life. So this is the background of why I'm into well-being. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, amazing story. Um, and it sounds like you were always. Um, pretty much aware of what you needed to do in terms of keeping yourself healthy. And for the most part, you did that. I mean, you ate healthily, you didn't smoke, you didn't drink much. Is that right? I mean, your yes. your lifestyle is pretty healthy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Very healthy lifestyle, reading a lot. Again, uh, meditation techniques, mm. you know, really investing in your up, uh, in your well-being. Because I always felt that, I, as I said, you know, I need to balance this hectic pace before I get sick or get crazy. So this was uh, intuitively a drive within me. Yeah. Was Is there any genetic history of these sorts of problems that you had, as far as you're aware? Wow. This is a very interesting question. <laughs> you know, after the event, the doctors, the professor really were looking at my medical file in order to investigate what, what happened here. And they're asking, you know, the, your parents are alive. I said, unfortunately, they both died. So they said, died from where? And I suddenly recalled that my dad died from a heart attack exactly the same age that I experienced this situation. Wow. Wow. So he immediately jumped and said, okay, that's genetics. Genetics controls 20% of heart failures, heart uh, cases, heart diseases, etc. The rest are 80% which are basically controlled risk factors. But here, the coincidence really was, I, I was speechless and the doctor said, wow, this is a very, very impressive coincidence. Yeah, no, really, yes, ab absolutely, absolutely. And also that he happened to get it at the same age that you, you the got. The same exact age. Wow, that, that's mind blowing, isn't it? So yeah. I was thinking about it, Howard, and I said, wow, the universe gave me a second chance. Mm -hmm. And which means what? It means that this crisis is really an invitation for an opportunity for a new direction in life. Because as I said, I was giving a week to leave. And basically, it's by miracle that I arrived at the right time to the hospital. Otherwise, I would not be here. So that's the reason I said, wow, okay, well-being. And suddenly, this insight came. I have to promote well-being because this is so important in today' very chaotic reality, and that's what it brings to life. This, this, the new direction and my writings and my presentation, etc. Yeah, and what's your take on how people approach the notion of well-being and 
and the behavior change that has to go along with that if they're not already on board what what have you seen in people i've got my own views but i don't want to uh to voice them till i've heard from what you say mm. well i think most of the people are in denial stage you see we are living in a very unique circumstance unprecedented uh, i call it the med race of life you know most of us of us are working between 12 10 to 12 hours per day we are 24 by 7 available we are addicted to our digital media by the way we check our smartphones every 6 minutes we even take our screens to the bedroom etc cetera, etc cetera. we are really in a very hectic life i call it we're almost automatic pilots we are mm -hmm. moving unconsciously in this i would say very significant pace of life without even finding an opportunity to think you know think right. on a daily basis what's going on i mean what shape is my life taking is this the best way to live in my life how do i reach equilibrium in fact i claim that most of us are into disequilibrium, a very significant disequilibrium. And the results and the proof, look at the epidemic of burnout. Oh, yeah. According to Microsoft research last year, more than 50% of employees worldwide and 53% of managers report of burnout. Yep. Now, the epidemic of depression, it's, it's yep. amazing. The huge, huge yep. epidemic in the world why because we are rushing fast and we don't stop to think okay how do we how do i optimize my life right yeah no that's true and it is very toxic the sort of certainly in the west i'm sure pretty much everywhere else too the message is you got to be working 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 if you're not working you're goofing off you're not doing what you need to do exactly. and and we are not made uh, to do that. Uh, you know, the br different brain states, you know, beta wave processing, 13, 30, 30 cycles per second level of brain is where we are focused and processing. And that's the product, quotation mark, productive mode. Well, that's fine. But the higher beta waves you get, you mm. go from processing to stress, right? From stress to obsession, from obsession to delusion. I mean, it is not all a healthy state. And we have these other states, alpha state, eight to 13 cycles, relaxed wakefulness. Theta mm -hmm. state, five to eight cycles, light sleep meditation, and then sleep, one to four, delta. And we think that if we're not in that beta processing state or that beta wave state, we're being unproductive. Well, first of all, yeah. that's a, that is completely wrong because actually in terms of creativity, imagination, and real productivity, you're not going to get that in a beta wave state. You're much more likely to get that when you've switched off, when you're relaxing, when you're just you know in that meditative mindfulness state and just letting things come at you rather than impose things on you and so it is a total myth you know this work 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 
process, process, process is actually unproductive. Absolutely. Actually unproductive, right? <clears throat> Absolutely. And there is an ample evidence research-wise about this, uh, I would say, mental fallacy that, like you said, you have to work like crazy in order to prove yourself as a viable organ of society. Right. But I say better life equals better performance. It's the opposite. You know, I have a client, okay, uh, who is a CEO of a startup, you know, a, right. a technical, right. technological startup. This guy is, his schedule is unbelievable. He's flying to the US, Latin America, he's working 24 by seven. And I said to him, look, I have to uh, left to uh, left you uh, to alert you. You really got to balance yourself. How about you know uh, practicing well-being? This guy is very smart. He developed technology and uh, mobility. Very smart guy. It's well established. He said, "Chaim, when I will make my startup successful and I'll make an exit, then I will have time for well-being." Right. I said, "You are wrong. You are dead wrong. I'm not sure you're going to reach the stage." Because basically you're experiencing diminishing returns from your investment because you are tired, right. you're burnout, your cognitive uh, abilities are diminishing. You have to, to choose the other version, meaning if you balance your well-being, better life means better performance, you'll reach better productivity, and you'll get to where you're going, where you want to. But most of the people, this I logic... Know. Don't, don't, don't buy it. Don't buy right. it. Right. And, and then the distinction also that I've been working on a lot recently, and uh, listeners will might recall a podcast I had with John Leaf a couple of weeks ago on, on cellular communication. This mind-body distinction is wrong. Okay. Mm. It's binary and it's wrong. And all the evidence is we have one system that is supported by amazing cellular communication. Okay. And so this isn't, well, I just got to keep thinking, thinking, thinking. And, you know, if my body isn't being taken care of, that's okay. Wrong. Wrong. Because the state of your body is going to influence and will influence your thinking and your head. It's not two separate things. Which is why when you look at, oh, what's the best way to manage, you know, the onset or delay the onset of some cognitive decline? Yeah, pretty much they're all physical tools, physical exercise, move, right? Sleep, get the right sleep, nutrition, eat the right things, right? manage the emotions. I mean, these are physical things. And why they work is because the body and feeds the mind. They're interconnected. And so I think people have this notion, well, you know, I've got to work hard for the next month or six months or whatever, you know, and you're this tech entrepreneur thinks. But that's a mistake. I mean, I understand there are times when you have to work harder, um, but mm -hmm. you cannot pretend that your physical state has no impact on your psychological exactly i think i i agree with you i think the assumption basic assumption is that our body is bas basically a mechanical system 
that will work forever. And it's wrong assumption because our, our system should be viewed as an holistic entity. Holistic entity and there is one system that unites body and mind and soul. Right. And if you realize that and you act according to this uh, logic, then you'll realize much higher productivity rates, happiness. You know, the American Psychological Association defines well-being in a very unique way. The definition is it's a state of happiness, good physical situation, low stress, positive projection to the future, and satisfaction. Wait a minute. This is a very broad definition yep. that encompasses a mixture of physical situation, your body, etc., mental situation, how you view life, and also spiritual situation. What's in your core? I call it the core, which basically are the assumptions in your brain. I call it the narrative of your life. What is the narrative of your life? What are you trying to accomplish? in this rather short journey that we're living here. Mm -hmm. And so basically people are just denying it, neglecting it, and just, it's very easy to, to move in the fast pace of life, dealing with work, rather than start to dealing, okay, what's my situation? What, what is my life vision? What I'm gonna do 10 years after? And, and by the way, the proof of it is Formula One drivers, yeah. amazing. Yeah. You think you know, the drivers are macho men, you know, they're flying in their, you know, amazing technological machines. Each machine, each car is worth tens of millions of euros because there's so much technology and they're flying in speeds over 300 kilometers per hour. They shift gears more than 2,500 times within a race, which by the oh way is 120 minutes race more or less. They press on the uh, on the pedal on the brakes more than twelve hundred times per race. <laughs> they sit in the car, which is fifty degrees Celsius temperature. They oh. lose between three to five kilos every race. So this is I call it the laboratory for burnout. There's nothing like that in the world. Oh wow! But so what they discovered, they discovered that they must have well-being, and so Lewis Hamilton. The world champion, seven times are, said, I cannot move without my well-being coach, which is a coach by a company called INSA, which uh, uh -huh. we were in the beginning. Angela Cohen, she's a, a lady from New Zealand. He said, there's a testimony, I cannot move with her because she balanced me. Right. And also Verstappen, Verstappen is also, uh, Stefan right. Verstappen, it's a German driver, also a champion for four uh, championships. He said, well-being has been my critical success factor. So what's 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 uh, the conclusion? You know, the faster you move, the <laughs> more you need to balance yourself. Like Formula One, we yeah. are also in a race. We need to balance ourselves. Otherwise, we're going to experience burnout, depression, a physical crisis, mental crisis. And then what's the result? What's the end result? So I okay. think the logic right. is there. And and for me, a core concept which you know goes across all of these things is energy, right? Energy. What's your energy level? 
as soon as your energy level goes down, you, you know, significantly down, you got a problem. And, you know, of course, everything now is labeled medically. So your energy goes down. Now you're depressed, quotation mark. Right? Mm-hmm. Not necessarily. Your energy has gone down. You haven't got any energy. And so nothing's happening and you feel you can't do anything, blah, blah, blah. It's a function of energy, yeah. which actually to me is, and interestingly, when I was back early in my career, the Institute of Psychiatry in London, way back in the last millennium, there was uh, a consultant who ran an inpatient unit for depressive. He said, you got to move. And he would get them to move and exercise a lot, which at the time was a little unconventional. Mm-hmm. But he's right. He's absolutely right. Um, probably the single thing you can do if you are low in energy, if you're depressed or anxious, stressed, is to move, move move no matter how hard you try once you've come back i guarantee you will not feel as bad as you did before you left excellent um, we have a saying that movement is medicine movement is medicine and by movement i define two types of movement one physical movement which is very critical to re-energize yourself like you said uh, there's an ample evidence of research that people will walk between six to 8,000 steps per day, really experience a lot of high motivation, energy, optimism, high productivity, and so forth. But there is another type of movement, which is mental movement. Mm. Mental movement is the curiosity, is the ability mm. to learn something new, a new skill. Do not stay at one place at a time because then you get stuck and then you don't move and then it's uh, it's like a river you know the river any research of river research of river will tell you that the best most vital place in the river is in the middle where the water runs you know in energy and dynamic and where the worst place is that where the water is stuck and the waters are still and then you know, the smell of the water is bad and there's disease. Right. That's right. a very good analogy. If you move, you learn something new, you invest in helping others. That's also a good skill. You develop your own skills. Then you're like a river full of life. You enliven yourself and you enliven other people. Right. But if you get stuck, then you invite, you invite problems. You invite medical or mental, or both of them, are a crisis. In terms of people trying to change their behavior, what do you think the key elements are that are needed? You know, if somebody realizes, you know what, time's right, I need to, I need to get much better balance in my life, I need to, to what, what are the resources, what do they need, do you think? Well, to change, the bad news, it's very difficult to change. Why? Because you are the enemy of yourself. Right. You know, there is a research that only 1% of the people who experience heart diseases and heart failures and heart crises like myself, only 1% change their behaviors a year from this event. The rest, 99%, 
got back immediately to the old way of living, you know, very unhealthy way of living. Change is very difficult. By the way, another statistic I'll throw, 99% of diets really fail. 99% oh, yeah. of people, they fail. Why? They want change here and now. Right. But the system does not work in this logic. Correct. What's the trick of changing? It's difficult, but based on the experience working with uh, you know executives and drive and elite sports, you really have to make one change in the time. Yep. It's called continuous improvement. By the way, the Japanese have term, they have a beautiful term for it called Kaizen, which basically this logic helped them to really re revitalize the industry after the Second World War, where the basically economy was devastated. Kaizen meaning, meaning continuous improvement. Every day you make a small step forward. You make an improvement, slight improvement, but you make sure you're moving forward. forward. And over time, you'll experience the change that you're looking. That's a very powerful tip. So for people who would like to change, take one step at a time. Right. Don't expect yeah. big results Right. Over a good time, it won't work. Right. And I just uh, a couple months ago had a wrote a blog for uh, psychology today on exactly that. It was the myth of, uh, you know, addiction, which is, oh, as soon as you decide to stop, oh, you should be able to stop. It's nonsense. It is so contrary to what we know about science where, hey, you've built up literally an infrastructure in your brain that underpins this behavior. That makes it automatic. You've got to deconstruct it. And you can't deconstruct it just by saying, oh, okay, I'm going to change. It takes time. And, it's and discipline. Yeah. And, and discipline, discipline, hard work, pro, and certainly the right mindset. Progress, not perfection. Right? And you see this all the time. Having started my career in the addiction field, continued some of that work, is, oh, I had a slip and a relapse. I'm back to square one. Well, wait a minute. You know, this is the first time you've drunk or whatever, gambled, whatever it is, in three months. That's amazing. <laughs> right? Absolutely. And this is a huge myth. And again, I do say some of the problems of that come from a medical model. The medical model is, I'm the expert. I've got all the tools. I'll give them to you and you'll be fine. <laughs> Nonsense. 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 We need a coaching model, which is, I'm here to help you. Here to guide you, but you have to do all the work. No one can do it for you, right? Absolutely. And that's you know, and, and that, that's a major, major problem with with healthcare. You know the way it's structured for a variety of reasons. That it's okay. We'll just give you this pill, or it's all going to be done for you. You're a poor victim of whatever, and you just sit there. And I'm, no, I seriously think the biggest benefit to a healthcare system is employing people like yourself, lifestyle coaches who know what it is, have, what they have to com communicate to motivate people and guide them through it, but basically say, it's up to you. you know? <laughs> I think I, this is very, very deep insight that you are talking about because, you know, I think there's a bias in the system 
to really make you trust all this technology and pills, which makes all the pharmaceutical companies very wealthy. Uh, yep. They don't need people like me who will say, okay, okay, you take medicine, but you start adopting well-being because you are the best doctors. The doctors does not heal. You know who heals? Yourself. You know, I myself experienced situation where the doctor said, "Oh, you are going, you're experiencing, uh, you know, diabetics. I used to right. have a problem with the high, uh, right. high level of sugar." He said, "Oh gosh, that's it. You are, you have diabetics for the rest of your life." But I'm a rebel. I said, "No." I threw the medic, you know, the the, the pills to the garbage, and I started to learn. I checked with uh, people into alternative medicine, and they say it's rubbish. You know, change your diet and you're going to lower your glucose level. Guess what? I'm out of it. You know, I have a saying from a very interesting person. His name is Eliud Kipchoge. Did you, are you aware of him? He's yes. the best, the fastest marathon runner yep. in the world today. He's from Kenya. Yep. He's a very impressive guy. He has a saying, and I quote, the disciplined man is free and the undisciplined person He's a slave. A slave to what? To his moods and to his passions. And yep. what is it advice? Plant the tree of discipline. I find it very, very Excellent. nice analogy. Excellent. You want to be free? You want to be healthy? Right. Take the matter. Take your faith into your own hands. Don't trust the doctors. Don't trust the doctors too much. Right. You are the best doctor of yourself. Absolutely. I really like that. And it's absolutely 100% correct and it's it's something that you're right it's systemic there's the, you know the way the system's organized is designed to help pharmaceutical companies you know make big profits uh it is not designed to do the right thing which yeah. is what we're talking about hey here's the situation <laughs> you've got Whatever, diabetes, heart disease, whatever, okay? Blood pressure, whatever. Right, blood pressure. If you keep going like this, chances are you're going to die in, you know, five years, what happened. But you can change it. You can change it. Up to you. You know, uh, ideally, here's, you know, ideally then what would happen in, in my system would be I'm going to introduce you to somebody who's going to guide you through this. But it's your responsibility. They'll support you. They'll tell you what you need to do, uh, et cetera, et cetera. They, you know, you have accountability, et cetera. But there's no magic pill. There's no magic. You bet. And so... I, I think, again, you know, it's self-education. If people would understand the powers of our brains, they would be amazed. Oh. You know, there's a saying that we are the producer, the director, and the actors of our own movie. We really dictating our, our life. Yep. Why? I explain. I think the pessimist and the optimist are both right. <laughs> How? The pessimist is assumption, oh, it's never going to work. It's going to be bad. Guess what? His life is going to be more or less like, that. like the scenario is uh, developing in his mind. Right. The optimist think, oh, it's going to work. I'm going to do it. He has a can-do attitude. Guess what? His life is most likely to be very positive. Yep. What I say, I say everything is in your mind. Yep. 
if you believe in the power of mind and you know we have ample you know evidence about you know sports people even the drivers the formula wine drivers really it's it's based on their mental strength about enduring this unbelievable experience but you know they believe in the power of the mind that they're going to succeed and most chances they will so I think it's you have to to be a student you have to go back to bases and learn about the amazing capabilities of your brain and your mind power. Yeah. And I think, yes, you do. And I think there's something else that I would add to that. You know, there's a difference between understanding and accepting a concept and then legitimately believing it and buying into it. Right? Right. I think yeah. that's that's the huge difference is when I've heard of and you know yours is a remarkable story and I've got probably 10 other similar stories to that when I've those are all people all of them are like you I'm not accepting this I think I can really believe that I can make myself healthier and they really believed it it wasn't just, oh, maybe if I tried, it might work. No, believed it. Yeah. And I think that provides a level of energy that literally goes through the cells in your mind, body, and this amazing thing, and helps the change that you're looking for. I really believe that. Uh, and so, again, one thing is, and, and so the, you know, partly this is the problem with, with um, you know, books and, and presentations and all of this. Yeah, great idea. Okay. Okay. Now, we got to turn that idea into a powerful belief, a hope, something that's got real energy that will resonate throughout your body and probably will be better than any medicine you might be prescribed in the long run in the long run yeah i think there's a saying uh, that i learned in, uh, when i was in the u.s believing is seeing it's not seeing is believing <laughs> believing is seeing yeah if you really believe it chances are it's a probability yeah chances are it's going to materialize it reminds you of uh you know i'm a very fan of of science it reminds me of Niels Bohr, the founder of quantum physics he came amazingly, what, in the, in the 20th century? Yeah. The consciousness of the viewer decides the events on the quantum level. Yep. And from that, really, an old field really developed from it, which basically is your consciousness dictates your reality and not vice versa. You see, people think reality is rigid. Wrong. Right. I firmly believe reality is not rigid. It's flexible and you can mold it, you can change it. You know, after this uh, heart surgery, I came out and I said, I gotta start walking, um, you know, right. every day, 8,000 right, right. feet. It was summer, Ooh. and in Israel, summer is very humid. Right. humid. And so people, my colleagues, my friends said, Chaim, you know, stay at home in the air condition. Why are you schlepping, you running? I said, no, I gotta walk. Then winter came. And people say, oh, it's winter, it's cold, it's rainy. Stay at your home, it's very warm and cozy. And I said, no, 
I've got this goal and I have to get to it. And so really you have to, like Elliot Kipchoge said, you have to be self-disciplined and you have to believe, you have to envision the outcome and that will give you energy to change. As I said, change is very difficult, but if you stick to it, you will get it. You will be able to overcome the crisis and crisis is inevitable. Everyone will have crisis in life. But as, as I, my story, I think I proved that crisis is an opportunity because it gives you energy to change. Yeah. It yeah, pushes no. you out of your yeah. you know, static uh, disequilibrium and say, okay, change. If not, right. this is right. how you're going to hit, you're going to find, you're going to visit hospital, or God forbid, uh, worse of outcomes. Course. Of course you are. And so going back to Niels Bohr and quantum mechanics, if you take what he says and then talk about what we've just been talking about, believing, energy, seeing the possibility of healing, using that energy at a quantum level, that potentially influences your mind and body. Absolutely. And, and we now know that some of the communication and some of the cells in your body definitely work by quantum mechanics. You know, there's wireless Absolutely. signals going on. I mean, God knows what's going on. We have no idea. But look at somebody like you on death's door. Bang, suddenly, with the right energy, with the right perception. Hey, presto, you're healed. And we do have to get out of, not that determinism hasn't been valuable and has some value, of course, but we need to get beyond that deterministic mindset that, oh, we've got to put, you know, it's got to be a medicine or surgery or what have you. And of course, there are times when that's appropriate. But when you are looking at the big picture of change, and when you are really up against it, like about to die, yep. that's what you need. And as I said, uh, I've known several people in your situation that have the same result at death's door. And then something happened to them, that energy, spirit, whatever, flowed through them, and they made a miraculous recovery that the, the physician could not explain. Could you know, not. there's a saying, what is true is not logical, and what is logical is not true. Now, right. Getting back from the hospital, I had lots of time, of course, recuperating from this dramatic event. And I had time to watch on YouTube movies, scientific movies, movies how, the, how our body works, how the heart system works, and how the brain works. Very excellent movies. And, I, you know, I'm thinking, wow, do I control all these processes? And I went deeper into it, and I realized that we control, by the way, only a small percentage of our performance, like raising the hands, walking. Most of our performance, bodily performance and mental performance, we don't control. Can you change right now, if I ask you kindly, how would please change your heartbeat from 140 to 120 beats per minute? Can you change it? No, slightly. Can you change the way your organs work and the way your brain works and your stomach works, etc., etc. I have no idea. It's a black box, right? Right. So who is impacting that? What you said, your mind waves that communicate to your cells, 
your 53 trillion cells. That's what I read lately. Mm -hmm. That's your system. They communicate confidence, vo you know, confidence in life, the belief in healing yourself. And of course, that's going to change. It's going to impact positively on a performance. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's really amazing stuff. I find it just amazing, mind-blowing, but very... Um, what's the word, optimistic perhaps, <laughs> or empowering, empowering to think that potentially we all have this power in with, within us. We right? are. And that, you know, call it what you will, spirit, mind, body, doesn't matter. There is an enormous power that people do not know about. In fact, if anything, they think the wrong way about it. Oh, this is just who I am. That's... That's what I do. I've been doing this for years. <laughs> this is just who I am. Wrong. Wrong. You what what you are is an incredible, incredibly, maybe to a point that we don't even understand fully. Well, I'm sure that's true. Adaptive and changeable system. I mean, I'm I'm again lots of great stories about that. You may be familiar with this guy, Daniel Kish, who was uh Two years old, he was blinded, couldn't see, and to cut a long story short, quite unintentionally, as a young boy, he taught himself echolocation. He can navigate the world simply wow. by getting feedback from his movement. Mm. He can bike, he can do anything. And when the doctors looked at his brain, they found that his visual system that was normally, if you're blind, is inactive, had connected with the audio part of his brain so that he mm. could effectively see sound. Wow. And he's taught this yeah. to like 500 people. So echolocation, oh man, that's just for dolphins and bats. Guess what? Human beings, apparently, <laughs> under the right circumstances, if they try, can develop that too. Amazing. Amazing. It's amazing. Amazing. I, I think, again, the, the advancement of the human race in the last 200, 300 years really proved to it because, you know, people people starting to believe and then technology emerged from it, but they get to, they tend to get stuck in this, what I call technology seduction, you know, mm -hmm. the seduction of technology, the deterministic model, the healthcare is basically based on technology, all the pharmaceutical, the, the pills, right. etc. Neglecting the most powerful entity in the world, which is our the human entity, the brain. And so we're paying a price for it. And that's the reason when you look at the research about the pandemic of depression, mm. depression, burnout, suicide, yeah, oh my god, suicide, yeah. horrible. Yeah. The rates are going up the roof. Wait. Everywhere in the Western world, because they lost their, their belief system. They don't believe in themselves. They're right. relying too much on very easy cure, easy fixes. Get this pill, get to the doctor, get this uh, uh, treatment. But the end result is not so positive. No. And so no. the solution has to be back to basics, Yep. back to self-discipline. 
And well-being, I think, is a very good discipline where you start mastering your own faith. And that involves, of course, investing. And, and it's not easy in the beginning, but as you being proficient in it, it will get easy. You know, in my mind, I, I tell my friends and my colleagues, you know, this life is basically a laboratory for, you know, training your belief system. Like you, you're going to a gym, okay? You're pulling muscles, you're developing your muscles. And I think that's nice, but that's not the key here. Right. Life is just the biggest gym for what? For developing your belief and your discipline. Right. And by the way, this is the best solution when crisis hits. It's called resilience. How do you step up from the crisis? If I would not invest it in the core beliefs that I explained in this uh, exciting uh, conversation, I would not uh, be here. Okay. How do you step up from uh, crisis? Resilience. Resilience is what? You invest in yourself, in your mental capacities, in well-being, in your physical capacities, and then you have, uh, I think, a, a good platform to really recuperate from crisis, which are basically inevitable in right. our personal cool. life as well as societies. Look at what's going on in the world. There's crisis, economic crisis. There is a, a climate crisis, the technological crisis. There is a change in the rate of crisis. Yep. And so Absolutely. it's impediment. It's very critical for people to invest in our own well-being. Absolutely. And and again, the, the, the society is geared to brainwash you, and I mean that quite sincerely, to think that the answer is all external. And the answer hardly ever is external. Hardly ever. Certainly when we're talking about well-being and taking responsibility for your health and your life, there is no external. There may be some support, but it is internal. It is internal. It's the only way you can do it. And, you know, just frustrates me when I see, you know, a lot of ads for, you know, weight loss programs and this program and that. And the message, not only is it wrong, it's unhelpful because it is reinforcing the notion that, oh, you don't have to do anything. It's just external. <laughs> Wrong. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, I, I think you're hitting a very, very um, important point here. As I said, change is very difficult. Why people tend to get stuck in their own rut, in their own equilibrium. It's very difficult to change. However, and, and the model that we use in Hinsa, which is called the model of the wheel of better life, you know, basically there's a wheel right. uh, and the center of the wheel, on the wheel there are six external points, which are basically your mental health, sleep and recovery, uh, physical activity, uh, your biomechanic situation, you know, uh, the systems within the body that are responsible for movement. And, uh, and and diet and right. general health. So those are the, the points yeah. around the wheel. So if one of the elements goes out of equilibrium, guess what? The wheel will start getting squeaky. It will not move smoothly when you're healthy. But the most amazing fact here is the core. Every wheel has got the core, right? And what's the core? It's your self-beliefs. 
if you really want to change, you got to change your self-beliefs. And there are three questions based on experience with coaching, with elite sports people, with executives. There are three questions that you should ask yourself. Mm-hmm. Who are you? What is your purpose in life? And who is controlling your life? Mm-hmm. Now, the right. ability, and I, by the way, I, I answered those. When I get out from the hospital, when I, I had my terrible situation here, why you have to answer those questions? Because when you authentically and boldly faces your own self in the mirror and you ask, answer yourself, then you know what will happen? You will get this energy to change, your motivation to change. I said, I want to be a visionary of well-being. Okay, I want to control my life. And that really gave me a lot of energy and motivation to change. It's like a car without fuel, we'll get stuck. Absolutely. Give it the fuel, it will move. The same with us. So what you said is right on. The ability to really cause a genuine change is based on changing your narrative to answer those three questions. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, thank you so much for sharing your amazing story uh, and your experience and knowledge. It's, it's amazing. We'll do this again, for sure, because we've only just scratched the surface. Um, <laughs> but a uh, great introduction, great talking with you. If um, We've got your bio in the show notes, but if people want to find out more about you or reach out to you, how can they find you? First of all, I've got this podcast in Spotify, which is bilingual. It's called The Guide for Better Life. Okay. And um, I will send you, I mean, everybody can find in Spotify. Yeah. Searching for it. And, and the second, uh, you know, uh, I've got the website. It's it's in Hebrew. Um, and also an email. Basically, uh, they can send me. I'm accessible by email. Okay. And then, so if there are any questions, I will be more than happy. And thank you for, uh, you know, letting me to participate in this very exciting dialogue. And I'm looking forward for our next dialogue. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And we are so aligned on so many things. Uh, I'm so glad that um, our respective cousins introduced us. Uh, that was amazing. We only yeah. met a few weeks ago, but. We just hit it off, as you can tell from this conversation. <laughs> yeah, uh, so Ray we, is now will be very happy when he finds out that uh, just, his we'll production have, has gave birth to this uh, podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much again. Thank you. Uh, amazing story, great insights, and we'll do it again sometime. Thank you, Howard. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you. And see you soon. <laughs>